Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, another exciting week for Penn State on the recruiting front. Yeah, a big week for the Nittany Lions and defensive line coach Dion Barnes. Um, not not only to get one, uh, two players at the defensive tackle position, but to get the best player in the class of 2024 to commit to the program. Uh, can't state how big last weekend was for Penn State. It was, and it's funny. It seems like they go in streaks. They had their recruiting class. A month ago, we were talking, okay, they're in pretty good shape, except wide receiver, defensive line. No surprise, because that's where the new coaches were. In June, we saw the rush on wide receivers. Now, this month, it's the rush on defensive linemen. So let's get to the two commits from this past week. Let's start with Liam Andrews. I have him listed at 6'5", 260 pounds, out of Massachusetts. A top 100 player, as you alluded to. Interesting, though, he started out as an offensive line recruit, now defensive line. Tell us about Liam Andrews. Uh, This is the best football player that Penn State has recruited in the cycle. And, and, you know, I know Quentin Martin is an exceptional athlete, and I think that he's going to be a very good player. But when we talk about uh, jumbo athletes, we always talk about these players that defy sort of normal expectations about a position. Liam Andrews, as, as you mentioned, just as a hair under six, five, we have him at on three listed at 275 pounds and is athletic, agile, explosive, and just super long. So for a guy that is uh six foot four and a half, let's just run up and say six, five, he's got the reach of a guy who is six, 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 seven, somewhere in there. So when you talk about him originally being an offensive uh, prospect, He was listed as an interior lineman because of his height, but really, I mean, he was a tackle prospect because he's got that extreme reach and athleticism. So this is a a two-way player. We have him listed as an athlete because of his preference in, uh, in, in, on the defensive side of the ball, um, who can fit talking like Quentin Martin. He can fit at defensive end early in his career, defensive tackle guard, left tackle, any of those positions that you want him to play. He can come in and be an elite prospect at any of them. Uh, Maybe not defensive end, you know, like uh, maybe he would be more of a guy that would be a really solid defensive lineman. But when you project him to the interior to get up to a certain size and have that length and athleticism and explosiveness, he's he's a perfect player for Manning Diaz's defensive tackles uh, and this defensive system. That's all about aggression and getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So when you look at the, the foundational traits that make up an elite player, he's got all of them. It's all aces across the board. So really impressive football player wherever you decide to play him. Penn State fans have been concerned about that defensive tackle position for multiple years now, T. Frank. And I guarantee you, when we get to quarter three and ask T. Frank in our listener questions, there will be something there about defensive tackle. Guarantee it. So when you say this is a guy who could be good at multiple positions, we, the Penn State fans, say, give me a defensive tackle. So is, <laughs> yeah. is that what he is? Is that what he's going to be at Penn State? Yes, that's where he's going to start. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, the the things we've been told of Blue White Illustrated, better offensive prospect than defensive prospect. Um, 
And I, I can see that, you know, in terms of his athleticism translating to tackle and, and just the skills he has to play that premier position. But there's a lot of translatable skills there. And defensive tackle, you look at what, what you need to do. Explosiveness. Um, you know, I don't know that he is the strongest player ever, but he is so unblockable and he has such overwhelming strength on his level that he, you know, I positively project that part as well. So, yeah, a defensive tackle is definitely what he's going to be at Penn State. He could start early to get him on the field, situationally, maybe as a defensive end, but I think even if he's planning on enrolling early, I believe. So going through that winter workout program, we've seen what that's done for Penn State football players. He, a guy like Javen Williams coming in at 290 is 313 right now. Uh, so you've got, you've got the growth potential here to be 275 right now. Let's say conservatively 290 after he goes to the Penn State weightlifting program. And that's not even counting what he does on his own between now and uh, January. So yeah, 290, 295. I, I don't have any problem projecting him as a defensive tackle that can be big, physical, active, and athletic on the interior. And, and, and if Zane Durant can contribute his first season, I think Liam Andrews can be a contributor her, his first season in certain situations. We're not saying he's coming over, coming in and taking over the defensive tackle position. We're saying that he is an, he is an asset that can uh, do something in his first season. I think that's a reasonable expectation but, uh, you know, we're getting the cart way before the horse here. Right now, it is. Penn, this is the best defensive tackle prospect that Penn State has recruited since P.J. Mustafer. I was going back and I was looking at some of the rankings, and, and Mustafer was a top 100 player. Andrews is better than that. And he is, from an athletic profile, Mustafer was agile and big, but he never really had that explosiveness. He never had that first step that made you, like, kind of take your breath away and made your eyes go wide and go, wow, look at that. Okay, that's different. He had the ability to be an all-around player. Liam Andrews has the a chance to be an elite three technique, a guy that is 300 pounds, stops the run, and is an explosive pass rusher that can pro provide you le a legitimate threat on the interior to generate pressure, where Penn State has been really relying on blitzing and edge pressure. They haven't gotten a whole lot from the interior recently. With Zane Durant now on the roster this year and with Liam Andrews, I think this is starting a trend for the Nittany Lions where they could start to become a multi-dimensional threat defense that has that pressure from the middle. Very good. By the way, T. Frank, you do realize putting the cart before the horse, that is what we do. Um, <laughs> I try to have them side by side. The cart's useless. I'm pulling the cart, but at least the horse, the horse isn't running into the cart. I try to try to have a little equality there. Very good. Now, um, was this Liam's decision to be a defensive line a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, in the middle of his recruitment, um, after his junior season, uh, announced he wanted to be a defensive lineman. He was recruited a couple places. They, they saw his film and brought it up. And then, uh, he kind of went with that. And, and that was how this transition happened. So it's not a situation where he's only going to play defensive line. If, if it doesn't work out, um, then he, I, I Penn state has a blue chip, offensive lineman prospect. So he fills multiple needs in the same class, but I just think he's so talented and I see so many projectable traits that I, I don't, per, I don't see him failing. I, I see him going to be, he's going to be successful. And how do you move a guy that is successful with Penn state's uh, depth at defensive tackle right now? You know, they, they need to replenish because 
a lot of these guys are veterans that we're talking about this, this six deep. A lot of these guys are going to be moving on soon and he's just different. Like he is, a, he is a different level of talent. Even the guy we talked about, like Zane Durant, um, Zane Durant six one, you know, like he's an incredible prospect and I I'm expecting big things from him throughout his career, but that's not a complete player. That That's harder for that guy to be a complete player than it is Liam Andrews, who has four inches longer on his reach and three inches, four inches in height. And, and that's just, that's a difference-making player. Uh, he's going to be, as long as everything works out, and there are always the ifs built in here, he is going to be a complete defensive tackle prospect, um, you know, based on what we see from him on film. Let's go to the other commitment, and that is T.A. Cunningham. I have him 6'6", 275. He's out of, well, take your pick, Georgia, California, <laughs> Miami. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the most recent commitment. What do we have with T.A. Cunningham? He's huge. Uh, six, Legitimately over 6'6", six, six, 200 and uh, we have him at 280 pounds. I've heard he's a 260, uh, somewhere in there. That's a wide delta. But when you're six six and a half, it's not as big of a difference as you might think. Um, so defensive def- interior defensive tackle prospect by on three and by most recruiting services. Um, you know, this is, this is a potential all the way. This is potential. Now, Liam Andrews is the more complete player, but when you talk about dominant skill sets, um, TA Cunningham has an explosive first step. He's huge and he's got good length. You know, actually Andrews has, has a little bit more of a reach on him, but when you're six, six and you've got all that power behind it, we're talking about, you know, it becomes less important when you have overwhelming physical traits. And that's what, that's what Cunningham has early in his career. He was a five-star prospect, a guy that, you know, when we're looking at the freshman and sophomore, you're, you're basically saying like, who's the biggest dude. Who's the guy that has grown and has the obvious skills to be a college football player um, early on. And, and physically he's had those skills for a very long time. The development of those skills has been stunted by all that movement originally from Georgia, moved around Georgia a little bit, then tried to move to California uh, last year, got caught up in some NIL stuff and was ineligible for part of the season. Um, and that really has stunted his growth. He hasn't really been in one place for long enough that I think he's, I don't think he's even physically de- developed to the point where he should be because he is out of the gate. So talented. And that is kind of like slowed over time where you watch him on film in the full film last year some injuries were a part of it, but he also wasn't dominating a lot of the time. He was getting caught up in double teams, holding his own, but not making difference making plays. Um, so there, there's just there's so much raw clay here is what we're talking about and how he translates. I think that's going to be interesting to see how he develops. I think the best possible scenario here is that he is a dominant one technique body type where he's three, just a lean three ten. And he can get after the quarterback as well from that defensive tackle position. He can uh, split double teams, eviscerate run game schemes because he's so big and long and it just bounces off of him. And then uh, he can also press the quarterback and be kind of that complimentary piece to Liam Andrews. So you don't have to put Andrews in those situations as often. You can let him get those one-on-ones as a three technique. So this, this class, not just these two, but overall has great balance in the size category where DeAndre Cook, I think, Again, explosive, great first step, but I, I look at his big frame and I see him as more of that one technique. And then you look at Xavier Gilliam, athletic, great length as well, the smallest guy of this group, but even then he's 6'3". Um, growing into that frame, I can see him being another kind of classic Kazai Izzard type three technique. So they've got a really good balance between the four of these players, and it just gives a better chance of one of these guys 
hitting and becoming what you need him to be at defensive tackle. And when you got T.A. Cunningham and Liam Andrews, the ceiling on these guys is significantly higher than what Penn State has had recently and over more players. So you just feel very confident that somebody from this group or multiple players from this group are going to turn into high-quality defensive uh, line prospects that have some flexibility and some ability to play multiple positions. Because, again, you're never going to play a guy strictly at one technique or three technique. You're going to bounce between positions, the scheme and the matchup. You don't decide who gets double teamed. The offense decides that. All of these guys have the skills to be good at both things. And I think Penn State and Deion Barnes in his first season have hit a home run here. This is an amazingly impressive group of uh, defensive linemen for Penn State. Very good to you, Frank. You answered my question for you. For me, I was going to ask you to grade Deion Barnes' first recruiting class. Very good. That's it for quarter number one. Next segment, we're going to go back to our better or worse, and we're going to look at the running backs. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, in quarter number one, we took care of the two new defensive line uh, commits. Now it's time to get back to our series, Better or Worse. We spent a couple weeks on the defensive side of the ball. Now it's time to head to the offense. A lot of positions to look at. I chose running backs first because I'm. they have the two. Want to have some fun. Come. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want to hear good stuff today. I, you, know, yeah. you start with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. You got to hear good stuff, right? Yeah, uh, I'm hoping we can fill our allotted time because the answer is better. You know, that's that's the obvious answer. I don't want to belabor the point too much. We can get into the, the two. Why. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's let it start with Nick Singleton, the first guy. Now he came in much ballyhooed, 
Gatorade Player of the Year, all of those things. And with all those high expectations, and I know he wasn't perfect last season, T. Frank, but in many ways, I think he exceeded expectations. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there it was a journey. That's really how I would view Nick Singleton's year last year because there was, um, you know, any freshman is going to have inconsistencies. And we, we talk about this with the quarterbacks a lot, but def- defensively, running backs are going to see stuff for the first time as well, and they're going to get surprised by it, and they're going to have to have growing pains to get through all of that stuff. You know, you're reading your you're reading your keys as a running back, and suddenly there, there's a there's a cross blitz, for a run blitz from the linebackers, and you get caught in the backfield because you were surprised for a split second, and that's that's it. Like football is a split second thing. We saw as the season went on, Nick Singleton became more confident. And I think when that happens, more assertive as a runner, making more confident uh, reads and cuts and then big plays. And that was really the difference is consistency with with Singleton last year was hit or miss and spotty. Now, the second half of the season with the run that the offense went on against inferior opponents, that's that's a part of the story here. But he also became a more consistent player and you can watch it in certain games. I think it was the Maryland game. It was I call that his breakout game because he was just so consistent of making the right read, making the right cut, then uh, exploiting it for the maximum amount of yards. But if you go back to early in the season, the Northwestern game, Penn State dialed up a lot of really good plays. Mike Yersich got the, the running backs one-on-one with safeties. But the thing that Northwestern did is they got their safeties closer to the line of scrimmage, and they made that the tackle that they were supposed to make. Now, in a lot of situations, the offense is accounting for everybody but the safety, and the running back, it's, it's his job to make that guy miss. They got a lot of opportunities early in the year where they were one-on-one with a player in space, and Nick Singleton got tackled. So when, when I was ta- talking about our advanced stat metrics, and I wrote an article about this at bluewhiteillustrated.com of things that I'm looking for in 2023, for Singleton, to me, it's more broken tackles, you know, more missed, uh, forced missed tackles, where you are you are physically making somebody look silly and then getting extra yards off of that. Where last year it was a lot of breakaway, the offense gave it to you, and you just had to run past a guy who you had an angle on. He's fast enough to break angles, and he did that. And I don't want to take that away from him, but there were this year especially, everyone knows the running backs are coming. So in order for them to be better, they're going to see eight man boxes. They're going to see people stacking the box, and and Singleton is especially. I want to see him do better at making that guy miss in space or not in space and getting the maximum amount of yards, whether it's 50 yards or if it's just seven, you know, making a three yard run, a seven yard run. Those are the areas where he can improve. And he did improve last year with some of his fundamentals and his technique and his reading of the defense. I also got the feeling T Frank that early in the year, yes, we know he would want to get the home run on every run like he could do in high school when he could just out-athlete, outrun everybody on the defense. One of the things I thought I saw in progress during the season, third and one, he'd make sure he got the one yard late in the season, where I felt sometimes early in the season he was looking more for the big run. He knew how to settle, knew how to get the first down later in the season. So I would say that, my observation of him early in the season was he was trying really hard to get that one yard by just burying his head and trying to hammer his way home. And sometimes he got tripped up. He didn't use his eyes as much to find 
the soft spots and who's making progress, uh, you know, blocking in front of him. And, and really that's, that's a lot of what Nick, uh, his, his profile, I respect it because, you know, like, I think a lot of us have that, have that sort of bullheaded, I'm not going to, uh, think I'm just going to force my way through this situation. And he overcame that. That's really what I was talking about is he, he overcame that desire to just run people over and to strategically run people over uh, later in the year, which I thought was impressive. Another thing that I think we don't talk about enough, and this is on me, is their usage of him early in the year was more in what he was used to from high school. They were designing plays. Mike Yersich was designing plays where he was trying to get him on the perimeter on jet sweeps and, you know, uh, handoffs on inverted quarterback options, because that's what he was used to at Governor Mifflin, getting out on the edge, reading blocks in space and, you know, getting upfield. They wanted to use that athleticism, but teams were ready for that. Teams were able to sniff that out and stop that for a number of reasons. But once they let him be kind of a traditional running back and he got used to that, his effectiveness, I think, took off a lot. And they modified how they were trying to get him to the edge. Because really, when you're talking about Singleton, you're trying to get him to the edge of the, the formation so that he can use that speed and that he can just barrel through a safety or a corner as opposed to having to work his way through a linebacker or something on the interior where it's just harder for any running back. The other freshman running back, Catron Allen, we had, especially because he was a Pennsylvania kid, we heard so much more about Nick Singleton. We didn't hear as much about Catron Allen. He also had that very impressive freshman year, T. Frank. Yeah, and for a lot of people, including myself, uh, not that not that you know I play favorites, but I enjoyed watching him slightly more because he did all the things we just talked about with Singleton, flipped the script, and that's what it was with Catron Allen. Incredible vision. Doing Houdini-like things, you know, the fun things to watch of a dude as you dead rights in the backfield, you just flip your hips a little bit, you do that kind of like you're hula hooping, and then you make a missed tackle and you, you get yardage. The, the difference is like with with, with Catron, um, a lot of those plays netted four yards, where Singleton, he makes a guy miss and it's 17 or 20. Catron was doing a lot of the heavy lifting, trying to keep the offense on schedule, and the balance of those two guys was incredible last year where you have freshmen leading the offense and, and leaning on those guys because one of them is so physically talented and is learning the position. And the other one is so mentally talented and is physically improving each week. So with Catron Allen, you know, this offseason, it's all about getting back to being fat man. He's 217 again, um, making more out of the yardage that you're generating by breaking those tackles and using your vision. A little bit burstier, a little more explosive. Burstier, by the way, a key scouting term that is totally a real word. Um, and, you know, and just generating more yards off of those broken tackles. You have those two guys in the backfield this year. Like I said, they are going to be the emphasis of the defense, and they've got to be able to generate consistently positive plays and not just plays that the the offensive line gives them because um, that's not the, that's not what they're working with this year. The, the sophomore slump, we've, we've talked about that with players before. It's because everyone knows you're coming now. They have a year to study you and know what your weaknesses are and put you in positions where you had failed before. You have to now overcome all that stuff. And with both of these guys, they're such hard workers. They're such uh, down-to-earth sort of quiet guys that just toil in the background. I, I don't expect them to have much of a dip in production. And if, it, if that is the case... I don't think it's it's on them. I think it'll be a systematic issue with the offense or the offensive line or something like that, where uh, the the environment is not conducive to them 
taking a massive step, which is what I think we're all expecting. Last year, there were multiple players behind them. We often forget that by the end of the year, it was essentially a two deep at running back, those two players. Yeah. This year, Trey Potts was brought in from the transfer portal. I thought as far as getting a transfer to come in and be third, a veteran who has some starting experience in the Big Ten, I don't think Penn State could have expected any better than that, T. Frank. Yeah, Trey Potts is really what they need. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is uh, they, they have a lot of short yardage backs now. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, and Trey Potts. It, I don't know that he's overwhelmingly powerful, but the way I described him when I watched his film for Minnesota is the dude is is like a Toyota. You need to get from point A to point B. He will get you there. It won't be in style necessarily, but if you need four yards, he'll get you four and a half yards. Um, that's that consistency, that veteran savvy of of good vision and good power, good quickness, good initial burst. Maybe not the long speed or the pure athleticism of the other guys, but just a good running back. Just you watch him, and and I know I'm saying the same thing over. Just a good football player. Uh, but that's a compliment. Like you don't always find guys that are as uh, well-rounded now from a receiving and blocking standpoint. I think that there's limited information from his time at Minnesota. He wasn't really used on third down, but I'm not necessarily concerned about that. I just need a guy that can get in there and can operate the offense. And, and he's more than capable of doing that when he's on the football field. So in any of those situations, um, you know, you're, you're going to see, I don't think a dip in the offensive production, even if the running game, um, isn't going to be as explosive or prolific when he's in the, when he's out there. But we're talking about, you know, probably two to one, three to one ratio. We're not talking about him splitting 50, 50 with these guys. And I think what you have is him able to absorb some of those carries late in games that are out of hand. Yep. And you have the insurance policy. Penn state was very fortunate last year that the two freshmen stayed healthy. No guarantees of that. All right. T. Frank, final conclusion, are the running backs going to be better or worse than they were last year? Uh, Trey Potts makes this a slam dunk better, but even without Trey Potts, this would be a better. You would just be nervous about what you just talked about with the injury concern. But this is the thing I will say. You know, I think Trey Potts is a, is a good football player. I think he is going to help the offense, full stop. But if either of those guys at the top of the order, you know, if both of them get hurt, Penn State season is not going to be what you expect it to be. So it is still all about Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, and that has to be a consistent force in the offense. But even if you look at Cam Wallace, the, the running back from Georgia that joined the team, uh, I think he has the he's not very big, but his skill set and his running style and his multidimensional abilities, you know, if they're forced to call upon him. I believe he's going to redshirt. But again, all these break glass in case of emergency scenarios. I think he can do some good things and he can help the team. So they are definitely deeper and better than they were last year when it was just two true freshmen on the field together. I was afraid of jinxing things by mentioning one of them getting hurt. You mentioned both of them T Frank. That is yeah. it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter three. We've got your questions and we ask T Frank. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. It is quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. We take your questions We ask him of T. Frank, and as I always mention, he gives us the perfect answer every time. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question, and whoever it was that sent us that question, they win the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com, including their new coffee barbecue rubs. Now, if you want to send a question in to T. Frank, it's really easy. Just download our app. Keystone Sports, you'll see the Ask T. Frank button. And while I'm mentioning the app, I just also got to mention this, T. Frank. We're doing some change over to the host of our app. Things are going to change the look a little bit over the next few days, but in the end, it will be a good change. Trust me on that. T. Frank, you ready to answer some questions? I I want to address a couple things. First off, yes, I am T. Frank. Uh, Jim, I do trust you. And now, yes, I am ready to answer questions. Uh, and I feel like my Previous statement has proven my ability to do so. So, yes, we're ready to go. <laughs> Warmed up. All righty. Very good. Now, I mentioned earlier in our show, T. Frank, we would get questions about defensive tackles. How's yeah, I feel like you had an start? inside man on that one. Like, you you had, you had some inside information on that. But please, That's I interrupted of, you. Ask me a question about defensive tackles again. Please, I'm dying to to answer more about defensive tackles. Find some new interesting way of saying it's not as bad as you think, but it is an issue. (laughs) Well, let's go with Sean in Brookville who says, do you believe that Liam Andrews' commitment will be the answer to Penn State's size issue at defensive tackle? It's the answer to the talent issue. And I'm, I'm, this is the part I'm tired of talking about size because it's not just about size. It's about the total package. Liam Andrews is the total package, but size is just one of those things. He's got like just a 
replay the first segment and you'll hear the things that I'm talking about. Highly athletic, aggressive. Um, I know that he's playing in Massachusetts and I know that he has uh, not necessarily consistent talent level that you might find in other parts of the country. But he's damn near unblockable because he's got great positional fundamentals and he uses his hands really well. Like I've seen I've seen him use stuff on film that I swear he he got from Dion Barnes already. You know, I've seen Dion Barnes coaching at some of these coaching camps over the summer for prospects. He's using he's using a lot of techniques with his hands. He's got a plan as a pass rusher. That has nothing to do with size. That is that is a smart football player who's aggressive and is applying the the tenets of his position to the utmost ability, which for him is very high. Size is a part of the conversation where he's going to do it with hyper athleticism at the size you're looking for. But it's not just about being 300 pounds. It's about effective strength and effective block destruction. So Liam Andrews, you know, I understand that, that, you know, there's a, there's the opinion that he's a better offensive lineman than defensive line prospect, but he's still a better defensive line prospect than Penn state has recruited in a very long time. He is the sea change. He is the, difference maker on the defensive line from this is all a starting point. That's the other thing. This is a starting point of talent. This is not a final projection of what he is and isn't going to do, but with his level of talent and with his level of skills and the, the lack of weaknesses that I've talked about before, this is a guy that should be able to be a massive difference making defensive tackle that creates genuine productivity and, and a, a, uh, problem on the interior for an offensive line that is hard to solve. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for guys that create strategic advantages that puts the offense at risk. And, and I think that his talent level may, means that he can do that. But if he were just alone in this, it's totally different than with all four of these players. You look at the balance of this. You're not going to put him in bad situations because he's free to be in the best possible scenario if everything works out. And that's the if we're going to get to, you know, down the road. To me, T. Frank, you know what was the best part of your answer when you talked about him use Liam Andrews using techniques that you think he already learned from Dion Barnes at camps? It says a lot about both guys. Dion Barnes' ability to coach and teach, Liam Andrews being coachable, and it sticking what he's being taught. Let's move on. I'm going to be curious of your answer on this one, T. Frank. This is Jason from Dallas, PA, who says, with all the scouting that you do of high school players, what do you think is the most underrated trait? And what is the biggest mistake that coaches make when scouting? Um, So the Penn State coaching staff, I don't think makes a ton of mistakes when scouting. You know, like the, these players... There's a reason I sound like a homer sometimes because these guys genuinely are good. I'm surprised when there's a guy on film that I don't really like. Uh, and even then, I'll, I'll just say like Donovan Harbor, I didn't really like his film. But then you watch his sophomore film and you go, oh, OK, I see what they're talking about. Because, you know, you, you arrive at that conclusion and then you kind of back channel some things and you hear, yeah, we think he needs to lose some weight and then he can be the guy that we're expecting. And it's like, OK, that's that's kind of where I arrived, too. But initially it was like, Ooh, I, don't, I don't know. This guy doesn't fit what they normally go after. Um, I said, I think it was last week that I think flexibility and, you know, the ability to turn and run in all directions 
is a very underrated characteristic because everyone's obsessed with height, weight, and speed. Like could be all we can all be a bit of size queens when we're talking about football players, where it's only the biggest, and we're looking for the EST syndrome of the tallest guys and gotta be 300 pounds. But like if you can't move, I don't care. Like if you can't move and you're not an athlete, it's only so effective. Um, other underrated traits. That's a, that's a tough one because you know, speed is the number one highly rated trait where it's, it's so valuable. I would say probably change of direction skills, uh, which kind of get, gets into that mobility and the ability to, to, uh, you know, have the, the bend in your body, but you also have to have the, the short area quickness to get open as a receiver or to change directions and make that tackle with your length as a, uh, as a defender. And I, I guess I'll go with length. I think length people don't understand how important reach is for, for certain positions. And I think that um, for coaches, it's, it's paramount, but we don't necessarily understand that as the viewing public from a, from a uh, general perspective. It's interesting too. You've talked a lot about reach recently. I'm also a basketball fan and it's fascinating to me when they talk about the reach of some of those basketball players, these guys are six foot four and have the reach of a guy who's six foot 11. It's, it's, yep. it's amazing. And it shows up in a lot of places. All right. Here's a different kind of question for you. T Frank Greg from Anvil PA says with the new Beaver stadium renovations, there's bound to be upgrades to the stadium food. T Frank, what food upgrade would you make? And how would you name it after yourself or Jim? Oh, Bet you didn't no. see that coming. Oh, no. I don't know. So that's a multi-layered creative answer that I love, but I don't. I'm going to go with the easy one, and I'm going to say uh, premium hot dogs, and they'd be T-Franks or T-Franks Franks or however you want to do that. Um, yeah, gourmet hot dogs. I'm going to go with gourmet hot dogs. You're going to have not campus cafeteria hot dogs, but actual kosher all beef in the casings oh i think they're they're salins uh hot dogs from buffalo growing up those are my favorite hot dogs they when you bite them they have a bit of a crunch we're yes. doing t frank's franks premium hot dogs t frank that is the perfect answer but you've got just one item in all this which is how they cook them mm -hmm. they, they got to grill them you know that oh yeah put the grill marks on the hot dog right yeah for sure all right, but you also stole my thunder. It had to be T. Franks. Had to be. So <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's take a look. Uh, let's go with Jimmy, who says T. Frank from your film review. Which twenty twenty four commitment, if any, uh, far exceeds their comp composite ranking and potential, and why? I guess he's uh, so asking, who do you think is underrated? So Penn State got a huge bump in the on three rankings, specifically uh, in the last month, where I think it was seven or ten or some some percentage. Ryan Snyder did did the math over uh, for us during the the, uh, the the update, but a ton of guys moved up, including Luke Reynolds, who moved out into the top one hundred. So kind of hard to find underrated guys, but I'd say that the number one underrated guy right now is Peter Gonzalez. His overall game and some of the things that I've been seeing from him and some of the video that, uh, you know, I, I've been getting of his contested catchability, his overall skill set. I think he's underrated. Now I don't know that he's a five-star, 
but he has the chance of being a complete receiver. And I think Penn State's very high on him. The other guy would be Antoine Belgrave Shorter. That is underrated because he doesn't have a defining trait. He's not huge. He's not the 33-inch arms, 35-inch arms like Joey Porter Jr. He's not blazingly fast, but from the composite skill set, great in man coverage, lockdown corner, good length, good size, good movement skills, good hips, I, I, and, and a ferocious tackler when given the opportunity. So I think he's a, and those would be my two underrated guys. And T Frank, I want to tie this back into what you mentioned earlier about Penn state scouting and recruiting in general. And this season we saw it. You mentioned Reynolds getting a bump, after committing to Penn State, and I don't think it was because he committed to Penn State, which is often the case with players. But you also saw this with Grunkmeyer, who, yep. when he first committed, Penn State fans, oh, another three-star quarterback. And Gonzalez, I think, is a little bit of an example where the scouting may not have been complete because he had an injury while in high school, right? Yeah, so he. This is something that I, I spoke with his dad about the situation, and it was it was worse than I expected. Like in terms of the the injury happened in February, tore his ACL, uh, doing seven on seven, and then came back seven months later. So that's two months ahead of the minimum time for you to recover from an ACL and be cleared to play. So he was out there literally on one leg. He could not cut and turn hard on the injured leg, which limits your route tree and your effectiveness overall as a football player. And he still put up great numbers. And I still went and looked at it. Someone went, wow, is he fast? Because everything else is great. Um, and, you know, the leaping ability is another thing that is underrated because he couldn't jump off two legs. You know, he had so many limitations and he still was an effective football player that was able to catch passes and make plays. And that's another thing with Tysier Denmark, like, you know, in terms of he not, might not be the complete receiver. He might be a little bit slower than a guy his size you would expect. But the dude makes plays. The dude gets open. He catches the football. He makes guys miss and he gets extra yards. So those things can come with time, you know, and Peter Gonzalez, I think we're going to see a healthy version of him be more explosive this year. It's just going to be what is his overall skill set and, and what is his ceiling actually instead of what we're projecting which I always project positively when I see these uh, kind of like hidden traits. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number three. Start at quarter four. We'll name our winner. Stay tuned. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the fourth and final quarter of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. We just completed our Ask T. Frank segment, which means, T. Frank, we need to name a winner. Who's it going to be? This show has a long and illustrious history discussing food. <laughs> and I want to honor my good friend, Ross Tucker. Uh, so we're going with Greg and Anvil talking about hot dogs. T. Frank's Franks at uh, Beaver Stadium. Part of the upgrades, premium hot dogs and uh, premium buns. I think we also have to make sure that we don't forget about the most important thing which is the bread because, you know, sometimes that can make or break the hot dog. If you've got too much bread, it's too bready. You want to have a little bit of crisp on the outside. It's got to be the right type of, of roll. And I, I think T Frank's Franks can, can find themselves a good home in the hearts of Penn State fans at Beaver stadium. Even if I'm not there. <laughs> so you're saying the roll you want your buns toasted is what you're saying. T Frank. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want them yeah. firm and toasted. The nice okay. roundness to them, you know? We're going to move on, T. Frank. We, we've been doing our Better or Worse series by position group. See, you got me flustered now. And we, we've we been doing the defense the last several weeks. Today, we hit the offensive side, finally. We did the running backs earlier in our show. Now, I want to talk wideouts. This one is not quite the same sure thing that we had at running back, T. Frank. Yeah. Especially when you start with this, it wasn't necessarily an all-star group, but you still are losing your two top receivers from last season in Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. So you start with losing those two players, and you lost your receivers coach, or you made a change there. So what do we expect to see at wide receiver? That's a great question. I'll, let me let me characterize the two groups as I see them and why certain factors this offseason are swaying my view of this fall. So last year, I think we chronicled pretty well that Penn State struggled, especially early in the season, to create space against single coverage, aggressive man coverage. They didn't have the speed and the explosiveness to make teams pay for that. And specifically in subsets of cover zero, where there's no deep help and you're blitzing the quarterback or stuffing the box in the run game. And you're taking these chances and you've got to make teams pay for that later in the season. A couple of times, Penn state hit big on those situations, Brenton strange and Parker Washington specifically made big plays against cover zero. But overall, this was a weakness of the offense. Fast forward to this year, and we're talking about Trey Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Amari Evans. These guys are explosive, fast, deep ball receivers we haven't seen a lot of consistency from. So we flipped the script. They can be a big play machine, but now I'm concerned about the consistency. Who's going to catch the ball on third and five and get six yards? Because Parker Washington was great at that, of catching the ball, squaring his shoulders, and getting extra yardage. Maybe not explosively so, but moving the chains for two years, two and a half years, he had been that guy. 
uh, since his freshman year in 2020. Bringing in Dante Cephas and his route running ability, his ability to create separation in short, small areas, set guys up, get open, professional uh, running routes. That can bring the consistency to this offense. And then a wild card in that, you know, with the slot receiver is Liam Andrews. I'm sorry, <laughs> Liam Andrews. Liam Clifford talked a lot about defensive tackles. We're not talking about him here. Liam Clifford uh, has has a good possession skill set with good speed, ability to catch the football, create separation, even though he's a big bodied and then catch outside his frame, just be a reliable set of hands. And then we'll see what he can do with the ball in his hands after that. So they, they have the potential for balance. But if you go back to just the general profile of this group, it is very unproven. Uh, Trey Wallace, redshirt sophomore, is going to be a big part of this. Keandre Lambert-Smith, he's in his fourth year, but not a consistent force in the offense. And 40%, I think it was, 50% of his yards came in two games at the end of 2022 against Michigan State and against Utah in the Rose Bowl. So if you want to say he turned the corner, it's a very short corner. Like, we don't know how far around that corner he's gotten. He's got the talent to do it. He's going to be in position to succeed this year. He's going to, I think, be where the offense flows through. But he is, is he that guy? Is he the guy to be a multidimensional threat at every level of the field? Last year, despite having the speed and athleticism to run away from guys, he got gummed up at the beginning of his route, getting off the line of scrimmage and playing through contact on some short routes, not presenting a good target to the quarterback. So those are areas he needs to improve. And then Cephas fitting into this group, you know, it has the potential to be way better than last year, but it also has the potential to be the same, you know, kind of different way of getting to the same spot. You mentioned Keandre Lambert-Smith getting so many of his yards in those last couple games, but that also coincided with Parker Washington being out. So yeah. Keandre Lambert-Smith had the opportunity in those last couple games that he probably didn't have earlier in the season, right? Yes and no. Um, so they tr a lot of the offense, they tried to run through him against Rutgers, and it didn't really work. And that was, I think, the week of where they had to make the, the switch, and it didn't really work. But then later in the season, I, I apologize. I don't remember exactly where he was lined up when he was when he was catching those those long passes. But again, the ones that come to mind against Michigan State, there's a scramble drill. Sean Clifford does a great job getting uh, getting out of pressure. And Lambert Smith gets open for a 26, 27 yard gain. And then he gets a deep one getting behind the defense late in the game. But these are, these are situations where the offense is all working around him. And then against Utah in the Rose bowl, a great double move and gets open against the safety who all season had been biting hard. So I, I just, I don't want to over, I don't want to overcount five or six plays that was, that were driving the incredible production, but in those games, they were difference making game breaking plays that helped Penn state win, or in the case of the Michigan state game, put the game away. So they're very valuable, but are, can, can he replicate them? And can he provide more this year? We don't have the sense of, can he provide more? We have the sense of he's a consistent player in the deep threat sort of sense in, in the offense. So I do expect him to bring that facet all year as he is a larger part of the offense. So I think that is fair to say he'll have more targets, especially down the field. I'm just curious what else he can do for the offense overall. Tell me more about Amari Evans and Trey Wallace. I think they're two guys who have some special tools but I think it's a high ceiling and a pretty low floor also for those two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so again, Amari is a very difficult read for me because his play during the blue white game, I, 
I'm not as high as some other people. Now, well, your job is to get open and catch the football. And he did that. And he was the main target on, on the offense during the blue-white game. And he did make plays where other guys didn't. He also pushed off a lot. He also was pretty shovy. And if those are called, not only is that not a catch, that's negative yards for the offense. So like his route running ability, getting open with technique, I'm still looking for, okay, can he create that separation without bully ball? Um, And it's funny, Amari coming from being a quarterback and not being like a former tight end or a former linebacker or anything like that being kind of a skill position, like him playing as physically as he did is a good sign. I don't want to take, I don't want to get that twisted, but there's just to me, was that a true read of how, how he's going to play this year? And then you have uh, Trey Wallace, unbelievable athleticism, speed hops. My question is all the soft skills. Can he catch? Can he contested catch? Can he get open? Can he run the full route tree? He's going to be, I think, a deep threat specialist next year. But Evans, that, that was what he was last year as well. So you can't have all these deep threat specialists. Somebody's got to catch the, fo- the football under 10 yards and make something happen. So the guy, it seems to be, is going to be Evans. And then you're going to leave Wallace in that big play position for this year. So I think that he can work out and still not make a huge step as a receiver um, because he's going to have a very specific role within the offense. And then Evans, that physicality, I think, as a blocker, too, is going to be important to see how that develops, because if he's out there at the Z, that's going to be part of his responsibilities coming down in the box and blocking and getting uh, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen out into space. So as much as I don't ever really want to focus on blocking for a receiver in this offense, it does matter. Uh, And he's got he's got the tenacity that I wasn't expecting to be a guy that can do all those things. And I just, I, I just want to see him run a couple more routes before I say that he's done it. And like, he's going to be a, a major factor. I think even James Franklin, as much as he said, he took a step. He later this summer said, don't want to guarantee anything. There's still more stuff to come. And I think that's really what it is. It's like, we've seen it a couple of times. Now we need to see more consistently in different situations. We've talked about that first wave T Frank Dante, Cephas, Keandre Lambert, Smith, Amari Evans, uh, Trey Wallace, how about the next wave? Who's the next guy who's going to step up and be play a significant role this year? Is there anyone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the guys, here's here's the interesting wrinkle. And this is what I've talked about this offseason with Penn State and getting Peter Gonzalez as a big-bodied guy who can play on the outside. Penn State is a logjam of slot receivers. They've gotten too many body types that are closer to that Z slot, you know, a smaller guy that, that runs really good routes, but isn't physical and can't, you know, might struggle against uh, press coverage. Now they've got Liam and uh, almost did it again. I've been talking <laughs> about Liam Andrews for seven days straight, Liam Clifford and Caden Saunders uh, on the, in the slot behind Keandre Lambert Smith. Now Lambert Smith has that position versatility to play on the outside as well, which is something we can't ignore. Like he's going to be a part of the offense outside of just playing in the slot this fall. But if he's primarily in the slot, what do you do with those other guys? And James Franklin mentioned that he thinks with that six foot one, 200 plus pound frame that Clifford can play on the outside as well. And I think that versatility is important to play maybe behind Trey Wallace and provide you some more of those big bodied X type on the boundary uh, receptions against man coverage, where he's going to play physical through contact. 
Malik McLean, I'm curious because I love his skill set and potential, but I just have no idea beyond that, beyond the flashes that I thought, okay, he's going to get into Penn State's weight program. He's going to get into Penn State's coaching program. Marcus Higgins is good at coaching big physical receivers and making them big and physical. So the projection there is positive, but is it this year? I, I don't know. So I would say the slot is where you go to find these guys that are going to contribute, but how do you use them? Saunders, I think, is a slot-only guy. And then you got to figure out a way to get him on the field and not take away from Keandre Lambert Smith's emphasis in the offense. So there's a couple things I got to work at during camp. The order of the receivers is going to be very important. I think the top five or six to me are a little more clear. I don't see any of these other guys that we didn't mention being a part of the conversation, especially right away. Uh, but how do you get those guys on the field when you've got three guys at one position that I think can contribute? You got 15 seconds, better or worse. We're going to land on better because players are going to develop but I'm not, it's not a slam dunk. It's a 51% marginally better this year. I think the, the offense is still running through the running game and the tight ends. Very good to you, Frank. That is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.